This is your coffee break. Hey friends, I'm back again this week and I have a super exciting guest for you. Today I have on the show Joanna Penn of thecreativepen.com. Uh, she's an award-nominated New York Times and USA best-selling author of thrillers under the pen name J.F. Penn. Uh, she also writes inspirational nonfiction for authors and is an award-winning creative entrepreneur and international professional speaker. Uh, her site, thecreativepen.com, is regularly voted one of the top 10 sites for websites and self-publishers. Oh my gosh, welcome to the show, Joanna. I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, well, thanks so much for having me, Sarah. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Well, gosh, not as excited as I am to talk to you. I was telling Joanna when we first connected here over Skype that I'm just, I'm such a huge admirer of her show. So she also has a creative writing podcast called The Creative Pen, and I just kind of want to hear you have so much going on. You have books, you have this podcast, you do speaking. How do you make all of these things work together? Like how, tell us how being a creative entrepreneur works. Oh, it's such a great question. And it's funny because we're talking on a Monday and I actually this morning, I just went for a really big hike because <laughs> I've been struggling with this myself. Um, so, you know, just so people know, I started writing in 2006. So as we talk, that's 11 years ago, like writing for publication. And so, you know, where I am now with um, the creative pen as a business and a website and the podcast, and I've got like 25 books now under um uh, you know, several different pen names. and But I didn't actually construct this back in 2006. So it's funny how, you know, you, you say yes to opportunity. And as a creative, you know, it's always about the books. So I've always got books on the go. And, and then suddenly you sort of all the things you you wanted have happened. And mm. that's kind of where I am now, which is really interesting. And my first sort of point for people would be, um, you know, if you make a plan, if you make a 10 year plan, and then it happens, like, what do you want your life to look like? And <laughs> so I was saying to my husband the other day, okay, so do I make another 10 year plan? Because like, this has worked over 10 years, and you think you think it's taking so such a long time for it to happen, and then it happens. Um, and, you know, now it's like, okay, so what do I want to do now? And so I'm at the point now where I'm like, okay, so what does it come back to? What are the unique things that I can do? For example, uh, when I started my podcast in 2009, um, and my website, self publishing was, uh, you know, not trendy it mm. was like the last resort whereas now self-publishing is everywhere like my my blog was one of the very first blogs to talk about self-publishing and now there are lots of them so I'm like okay do I have to talk about it anymore <laughs> I mean I, pro <laughs> I probably don't so so I'm like so so the things I focus on and I guess where I'm coming back to and what you're doing is the craft so the books I write as Joanna Penn and JF Penn, my fiction name, these are things that only I can do. Um, and my podcast, because, you know, it's, it's been going a long time. And it, when you speak like, like you, um, it, you have a unique voice and people follow you. So my books and my podcasts are kind of what I'm coming back to. And I'm starting to, to try and say no to lots of other things. So yeah, it is difficult to manage. Uh, and, uh, you know, everyone struggles with that. Oh my gosh, yes. One of the things that you mentioned just now was saying no. 
it's so hard when every opportunity seems so amazing and you can't see past the possibility. Can you tell us how you say no? <laughs> well, it's funny because I was listening to a bit of one of your um, shows about traveling and writing, yes. um, which you did recently. And it's hilarious because I love traveling too. And I travel a lot. In fact, um, next week I'm off to San Francisco and then Oregon. And I've been all over the place this year. And and, you know, as you said in your your previous show, it's very tiring. Like you think you want to travel. You're like, yay, I'm so excited. And then you're exhausted. And then I got sick on my last trip to Italy. I got really sick and it kind of just wiped me out. And then I remembered that this time last year, we, I went to Oregon and then Israel and I got really sick. Mm. And I was like, okay, I need to stop this, you know, repeating the same patterns. So I came, I've, I've, I'm terrible at saying no. So just to admit that, <laughs> but it's something that I have to sort out. And I was on my big hike earlier. I was listening to Derek Sivers. Yes. Um, yeah, he's fantastic. And he's got this thing, which is, it's got to be a hell yeah or a no. And I, I've ha I've got that on my blooming wall and I still struggle with it. It's like, okay, if it's not, yes, I must do this, then it should be a no. And it's different when it's a podcast, because of course we're talking, we're not in the same country, neither of us have traveled, it's fine. But if you have to go and speak at a conference, say you're doing a an hour's talk at a conference on the other side of the world, <laughs> which, you know, I've agreed to even two years ahead of time. Uh, it's like, okay, that's a lot of work. So why am I doing it? And and it's funny because at the beginning, you say yes to everything because you're nobody knows who you are. And then later on, you kind of have to say no, otherwise you're just on someone else's agenda all the time. Yes. And at, at the end of the day, it's our creative work is our agenda. So, you know, I've just re-deleted Facebook off my phone <laughs> because that's something else, you know, it's fear of missing out, it's ego, mm. like really coming to grips with, did I say yes to speak at that conference because of ego? Because it's not the money anymore. Um, you know, I reach people through my podcast and my books. Why do I need to do this? So, I guess I have no answers except that going back to Derek Sivers is, is that hell yeah or no? Um, and what do you want? You know, we only have a limited amount of time. So have you made your art today? Have you, you know, are you doing something that will end up with a creative legacy hmm. or are you just doing things that will disappear? Um, yeah. It, again, these are things that all creators seem to struggle with. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. And I'm so interested. And this is something I haven't talked about on my show before. Um, tell us a little bit more what you mean about creative legacy. Well, I guess, so the exciting thing about being a writer is that um, we don't create a book. We have intellectual property assets mm. that can make us money while we're alive and 70 years after we die, according to the laws of copyright in the US and the UK, for example. So that means that potentially if we structure what we do in the right way, we can help provide our, for our families, for um, other causes. For example, one of my um, heroes is Beatrix Potter, mm. who people might remember her children's books. But she she was um, uh, uh, you know a single lady who her legacy was to gift the Lake District in Britain, which is this huge national park, to the British people. Uh, she basically bought up this area of natural beauty with her book royalties and gave it to the British public. And now it's one of the most amazing places in Britain. So um, that inspired 
inspires me to think, okay, so one in my lifetime, I want to entertain, educate, inspire people with my body of work, which is the things that I can do that no one else can do. Um, and then after I'm dead, because let's face it, we're all going to die. <laughs> then I would love either, you know, to help my family um, and or leave a bigger legacy that would potentially help more people you know if we look at some of the wealthiest people in the world right now you know warren buffett bill gates um mark zuckerberg giving 90 percent of their money to causes to try and make the world a better place so i think to me creative legacy is on the one hand it is that creativity like the things that you can write because it's you uh, and also on the financial side I really believe that creating wealth is is as creative as writing a book or a poem or whatever and that you can do a lot of good with that so now I'm you know I'm in, in the fortunate position now to be in a financially comfortable position with my uh, income from my creative business so now I'm starting to think about well you know, how far can I take that? What can I do that will help other people in, in a bigger way? So it's very exciting. And I think too too many creatives think, oh, poor, you know, I'm a poor author in a garret, you know, you just can't make any money as a writer and all this. And actually, it is pretty amazing what you can do with an intellectual property asset. I love that. It's and it's something that we writers don't think enough about or talk enough about. We tend to dive into art for art's sake and not really think about our impact on the world outside of what our ideas are doing. So I, I absolutely love that you said that. I also want to ask, um, so you've created this amazing sort of writing platform, this business. If someone out there is maybe a writer or maybe they haven't jumped out into um, the professional side of writing yet, do you have any advice for a first step that they can take? Well, I think the first step is to really decide do you want to be a professional writer? And, you know, the, the word amateur is often used in a negative way, but the mm. word amateur actually means people who love what they do and they do it for the love of it. So to be an amateur writer, you know, you can write and publish your books, like self-publish, um, you know, books for fun and for a creative project, um, you know, for that for the love of it as an amateur. And that's awesome, you know, absolutely brilliant. I help my nine-year-old niece self-publish I helped my dad self-publish their books for for fun. It was never a creative project. They were never going to be professional. Um, but for me, when I decided this, I was like, okay, I actually want to give up my day job and become a writer. So I know you juggle a lot of different things as well. So you have to make that decision. Yes, I am going to make a living with my writing. And then you have to start thinking about the, the multiple streams of income. So once you've made that decision, you have to look at the reality of how people make money as writers. So, for example, I make I make my living from my writing, but some of that writing is on a blog. Some of that writing is in a book. Um, I count my speaking as part of my writing because I get speaking gigs because I'm a writer, um, which many authors will also teach. You're, you, you're a speaker. Um, you know, many literary fiction prize winners teach creative writing at universities. You know, speaking and teaching is a huge part of a writer's um, business often. Mm -hmm. uh, freelance writing or ghost writing, you know, uh, I believe you do some of that. 
I mean, that is work for hire. So, you know, mostly it's work for hire. So it's, you know, it's it's not building an asset. It's it's income generating work like speaking. You know, you do it once, you get paid once, that's it. Mm-hmm. And then as writers, we also have to think about building those assets, which is, you know, writing the book, not licensing it for the life of copyright, because that will <laughs> that will definitely screw you over. Um, <laughs> but, you know, l- looking at that as an asset that's going to bring you income for long term, so really just considering that the writing life can be a business because if you want it to pay your bills, you have to think about the money. Um, so just sort of taking it back, uh, the first step, I think, is really A, to decide that you're going to do this and then B, start a separate bank account because just that first step of starting mm. a second bank account and it doesn't you don't have to set up a company or incorporate or anything like that you just have to track your income and expenses while you do it as a side hustle because you know we all have to do that <laughs> i i didn't give up my job till september 2011 so i did 5 years as a side hustle um and then gave up my job so you know having a separate bank account will actually start to help you see where the money comes in and where the money goes out and then you can look at sort of scaling up from there. That is invaluable. Thank you for sharing that. That is so invaluable. <laughs> and and I, I speak with writers a lot of the time who say, hey, I want to, to write full time. I'm going to quit my job tomorrow and just go for it. And, and I always say, wait, you know, you need to you need to kind of overlay both at the same time. You need to develop, like you said, the side hustle while you are working full time just to make sure that that you're going to be OK. And I love the idea of starting a bank account right away. It's I think I think it's free generally and it's mm. an easy way to to really sort of commit to it. Yeah, and uh, you're exactly right. And I think if people quit their job, um, you know, before they've even written a book as well, because, you know, that first book can often take a long time. And then the the most disappointed author is usually the one whose book has just come out. And for about half an hour, they're like, yay, amazing, my book's in the world. And then they're like, oh, I haven't made a million dollars and I can't retire. (laughs) (laughs) Because the reality is like the average book sells less than 5,000 copies. (laughs) Wow. So, I mean, we're living, we, we, you know, it's a very crowded environment. We know this. Um, but, you know, I, I, if you love writing books, it's awesome because the number of books you have really compounds your income. So, you know, I make good money off book sales, but I have 25, 26 books at this point. And that's just individual books. That That's not counting box sets and the ways that you can use those books together, bundles and things like that to, to make more products and more saleable products. So um, just on, you know, on this, if people are interested, I do have a book called How to Make a Living with Your Writing, which might help people who want more detail in, in that. Wonderful. And I'll make sure that I link to that book in the show notes for today's episode. Um, I kind of want to switch gears just a little bit and ask you about your fiction writing, about your creative writing. Um, so, so you publish under a pen name and you write thrillers. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into that? Yeah, sure. So I did NaNoWriMo in 2009, National Novel Writing Month. I think yes. you do that too, Yes, I you? do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's coming up as we speak. Um, don't know when this will go out, but, you know, November every year. Um, and basically, I was like, 
uh, before that, a few months before that, I'd done a podcast interview and the guy I'd, I was interviewing said, I think you have a blog about fiction writing. And I was like, no, I don't. I'm fine. I don't want to write a novel. And then, and he, and he was like, no, you think about it. And I went to Oxford University and my mum was also an English teacher. So I had this very literary kind of background and Britain is terribly snobby, you know, much more <laughs> snobby than America. <laughs> So I was like, um, the only novel worth writing is like a prize winning novel, uh, literary novel. And that's all I could, you know, that's all I could consider writing. And yeah. then Dan Brown had his, you know, Da Vinci Code. And my degree is in theology. And I was like, you know what, I could write a religious thriller like Dan Brown, that'd be awesome. And I was actually reading a lot of thrillers, you know, I love thrillers, and I was miserable in my job. And I would read thrillers at lunchtime. And I was like, okay, well, how about I just write something fun? that involves you know explosions and death and like you know a secret agency and a kick-ass woman and it'll be really fun and so that's what I started writing in November 2009 and then I only wrote 20,000 words so you're meant to write 50 but hey um if you you know <laughs> I still yep. got I still got enough out of it um and I spent the following year writing and then I published what is now Stone of Fire in 2011 and then that that series the arcane series action adventure thrillers now has nine books um and then I've done a trilogy of mystery um sort of supernatural mystery crime with a British detective set in London I've done a couple of dark fantasy novels some co-written some short stories uh so yeah uh, I love writing fiction it's it's you know I some days I think I would give up everything else and then I think I'd just go nuts because I'm just in my own own head all the time but um yeah I think my tip with fiction I think is that we all hear this and I remember hearing this is you will find your voice Mm. but only by writing a number of books like I don't think people find their voice on book one or two like I think I found my voice on book five um which uh, in my book Desecration uh, by J.F. Penn, that book is the first book where I was like, that's me, that is me. Um, And before that, it was like, yeah, kind of me, but still a little bit censored. Mm. (laughs) And then book five was me. (laughs) So it sounds like you had a breakthrough. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like to really discover your voice and how you knew and what that meant? Well, I think, you know, I'd written, it was my fifth book, and I'd written enough that I knew how to write a novel. So when you're writing those first couple of books, you're still understanding that writing fiction has a structure, like it has a story structure that, you know, dialogue, for example, is something that you you have to get used to writing. Um, You know, just things, there are things in fiction that, you know, you as a nonfiction writer, you would never do. So uh, I think by book five, you're kind of like, okay, I understand how to do that. I also had relaxed a lot more. Uh, I, I felt that um, I, I'd also kind of cleared a lot. If you think about your creativity as a sort of pipeline, I cleared a lot of stuff out the way that had sat there for years. So, you know, and I, the real true me was sort of starting to come out and I was feeling a lot more confident about there being an audience out there like me. Like, I think I thought I... I was weird like for example I like graveyards I always use this example you know I like going to graveyards I'm 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 into sort of death culture you know I I I I go I look at day of the dead stuff and when I go traveling I go to 
the really dark tourist stuff and I like <laughs> um ruined places and you know all this I stuff it, and yes. I thought oh I can't yeah I can't share that because people will think I'm weird and then I started to write it and I pe- the people who discovered my books were people like me and you know let's face it Stephen King does very well <laughs> doing darker work and I was like I'm actually a dark little soul you know it might as my fiction my fiction writer self is a dark little soul and somehow that wasn't acceptable because my non-fiction self you know Joanna Penn who you're interviewing is not dark you know she's jolly and positive and happy and and so I felt like I had these sort of two selves um you know Jungian psychology has it as the shadow side the side that is you know the the darker side and I I let that out as JF Penn so I think I just realized by book five I was like oh my goodness I I'm I'm just gonna write this stuff and if people don't go for it then whatever and actually I mean that series and that book uh is probably the one that I'm I guess not most proud of but I feel like that was a breakthrough for me and I do love that book that's desecration if any dark little souls are listening <laughs> by JF Penn <laughs> I have the feeling but that also, a lot a little tip for people oh yeah yeah so just on that a little tip if people feel that you have two different audiences so people listening um if you have two different audiences and you write two two very different types of books. So I write different books as Joanna Penn than I do as J.F. Penn. So having two different names is really useful. I mean, clearly it's the same person because I haven't hidden it in any way. Um, But J.F. Penn with initials, I have a different website, a different email list, different social media. Um, Joanna Penn writes upbeat, you know, um, books for authors and is has a completely different look and feel and brand and everything. So that's really helped me. And in terms, you know, circling back to scheduling, I schedule JF Penn time mm. and I schedule Joanna Penn time. So I, I almost can be two different people, which is fun. That's fun <laughs> and fascinating is Wow, that's so cool. I, I have all these questions now. Um, so so if you, you schedule time uh, to be kind of one or the other, do you ever flip flop them? Do you ever just sit down and not feel like doing it? Uh, well, it will depend on when I finish a draft. So um, I'm about to start editing Map of Shadows, which is my next JF Pen dark fantasy. So I know that for the next two weeks, I will be working on that book. Um, but then I'm going to America to speak. So I'll be back on Joanna Penn. So I, I, I know that I have a deadline on this. But f- when I was writing the first draft, I finished early. So you know, then I don't, you know, push it, you know, or if I'm late, I will push it. So it's more around my deadlines on the books so as we speak it's it's October oh my goodness and I've got three books to get out before Christmas oh my gosh <laughs> so all of which are in different phases and I know it's crazy because I also have a third pen name which I didn't mention I I, I co-write uh, Sweet Romance with my mum my 70 year old mum do you really <laughs> and it's sweet there's no sex <laughs> there's no sex okay just to be clear this is amazing um, yeah so we have our third book coming out before Christmas so I've got one JF pen one Joanna a pen and one um sweet romance before christmas so i i'm i'm probably working a little too hard but um yeah i kind of just schedule each one to make sure uh, i'm on track with each of those projects wow so you, you talked a little bit about wow i have a lot going on i'm very busy um how how do you balance the other aspects of your life with that 
What other aspects of oh. my life? <laughs> <laughs> Is it just writing 100% of the time? Just I mean, no sleep, no food, no family? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, no. No, I mean, well, it's interesting because... You know, when I had a day job that I hated, um, I, I had work-life balance and I would get to work at like, you know, half past eight and I would leave work at half past four. And, you know, I would pretty much then I would do my own thing. But the life I have now, my writing is my passion, my you know hobbies, mm-hmm. my job, <laughs> my income, my business. My husband left his job in 2015 to join the company. Um, and now he's in charge of he's in charge of investments which is awesome so he kind of deals with that um and he does some of my advertising and video editing and and things like that but we both work on the business we both work from home so my marriage is bound up in the business um my traveling is pretty much bound up in the business so we went hiking in italy uh, last month um and while we were you know we were hiking but also uh, you know, I visited some churches and, you know, everything I do now, you know, as writers, everything we do is um, involves our ideas and what we share. So, you know, I'm spending a couple of days in San Francisco doing research for another book and then I'll go and speak. So it will be both a kind of holiday and also book research. So it really I mean, I'm not joking, like everything really is bound up now with what I love. And I don't think that's I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because if you love what you do and like we we love to read so when I go to bed I read and <laughs> yep. you know my reading informs my writing so when I watch a film stories on TV and film inform my writing so this really is a career where everything can be bound up together and you know there are pros and cons in that like you know burning out but Mm. like I did this morning I went for this big hike and you know trying to integrate physical activity into writing um you can still do that with dictation (laughs) (laughs) but you know basically you just have to think about like what do you want with your life and if it all fits together then you know uh, I guess there's no problem with that Wow, I have never thought of it that way. I just had a breakthrough talking with you right now. That's one of the things that my podcast oh, right now is about. Like, yes, it's it's about work-life writing balance. And you think of them as little segments that you have to fit a little bit of each segment into each day. But it, they really bleed over into each other. You, you're really living into being a writer when you're experiencing these other things in your life. My gosh, thank you. <laughs> Oh, no, it's no problem. I mean, and that's the big difference when you do this for your living as well. Because for people listening who work a day job, doing something that's completely unrelated, then their writing is like a haven and a sanctuary, or, you know, it's something they do on top of their day job. But when your writing is your job, and you love it, you know, then you have to, you know, then you will integrate just naturally. Um, the, the only thing I'd say with, with you and other people who do freelance writing or ghostwriting is that to me is the time for money equation. Mm. And if you can make sure that um, more of your income is scalable, so concentrate on developing assets that will keep paying you money over time instead of just once. Um, that is a really big tip for long-term wealth creation as a writer is make sure your 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 making time is on scalable income uh, so that you you can support yourself for the long term. You are a person who loves writing. It is in everything you do. Everything you do relates to writing. What is your absolute favorite part of writing? Um, I think 
I think I've got to this point now where I say I measure my life by what I create. So I like having the finished product. I like turning an idea into a finished book. And then I'm like, okay, good, that's finished. And that, you know, I really like, I enjoy the whole process, to be honest. There's not, there's nothing I don't enjoy. No, I really enjoy everything. (laughs) I even enjoy the marketing. I enjoy doing my accounts, for goodness sake. You know, I I enjoy everything. Um, But the, you know, I do measure my life by what I create. So ideas are never a problem um, once you get the hang of of listening to them. Um, You know, the, the biggest problem is sort of turning those ideas into reality. So the books that I have and I can look at and say, you know, I made this. That's where I get the satisfaction, mainly because in my day job, I did, you know, my old day job, I just used to feel that everything I did disappeared, that I was just earning money that, you know, I would eat and drink and spend away. And what what was what did I have to show for my life? Um, except paying the bills and my taxes and stuff. And I was like, okay, I need, I want to have something more to show for my life. So now, as I said, yeah, I measure my life by what I create in a, in a sort of tangible form, which is awesome with books. I love that. And I know that a lot of listeners today are going to connect with that so much. And I think they will also agree with me that I could listen to you talk about this all day. I'm so glad that you do this for a living. I'm so glad that you have your own podcast that folks can listen to. Um, it is out, I believe, everywhere. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Um, also, you can visit uh, Joanna's site at thecreativepen.com. And I will link to that in the show notes for today's episode. You can pick up copies of her books, including How to Make a Living with Your Writing, as well as her amazing fictional thrillers. Oh my gosh, Joanna, where else can people find you? Am I missing anything? No, I mean, that's pretty much a good start at thecreativepen.com, pen with a double N. Yes. Um, And uh, yes, my podcast or on Twitter at thecreativepen with a double N if you have any questions amazing. You are so wonderful to talk to. I've just, I've learned so much in this short time that we've spent together. I appreciate it so much. I know my listeners appreciate it. And I cannot wait to uh, have a little binge this afternoon on several of your episodes. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. That was great fun. Mm -hmm.